Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, hello, hello. It is episode two, series two of Joe Black Meets, and I am joined by the glorious Susie Ruffle. Um, this one is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, we have some really interesting chats. I sort of go off on one at one point. Uh, it's just, yeah, this one was such a, a pleasure and uh, a joy sparker to record. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm so pleased everyone gets to hear it. Um, hope you love it. Uh, last last week was Bender La Creme. Uh, this week is Susie Ruffle. Literally anything could happen. Anything could happen. Two very different people. I don't know if you can hear in the background, but my dear uh cat Klaus is singing because he wants food, and it's um not dinner time yet. He's got twenty five minutes to wait. Uh, and he has to just wait. Do you want to sing us a song, Klaus? Sing us, sing us the song of your people. Anyway, what have I got coming up? Um, Bright Fringe, thirty first of May, twenty twenty three, at the Spiegel Tent. Um, Klein's Cabaret, Comedia, four times a year. Next one, July sixth. There'll be another one. Um, yes, if you want this ad, uh, this podcast ad free, you can join me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mister Joe Black. That's M I S T E R, not just M R. Um and yeah, otherwise just enjoy enjoy the podcast, enjoy the chat. Uh again, one of my favorites with the glorious, beautiful, hilarious, wonderful, all of those words. It is Susie Ruffle. Hello. <laughs> 
what a joy to, to have you here. I say have you, you're on my phone. But, yes. Uh, but I'm here. We're in the same city. We're in the same city. I could probably, if I look out my window, if I really squint, I can see the yeah, area you live in. Have you ever had a telescope? No, but Alice, my wife, brought some binoculars and I've started calling her the perv. <laughs> I just remembered yesterday we had a tele. We used to live on a, like a ninth floor place on the seafront. We had a telescope and it was only after like a couple of days of watching people in their own houses. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we quite like having a look over. You see, Alice has got some binoculars because we from our back window, we can see the South Downs. So it is very beautiful to have a look. It is very beautiful, but um, but yeah, the old uh, the old binoculars. It does. It, it it comes with some connotations, I'd say. A little bit. When when you said the South Downs, I was just like doggers, but that's not a dogging spot, or is it? I don't know. I feel like anywhere can be a dogging spot. Yeah, if you've got the enthusiasm and the and the uh, people do it in cars. I still don't really understand how it works. Um, I think I think it is car based quite a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and you do you flash your lights and then they flash their lights and then everyone has a wank? Is that what it is? Oh, I, I think so. I mean, I don't really, you know, sort of cru- cruising, dogging kind of etiquette and stuff. So I've got Tourette's and one of my tics is uh, like going <clears throat> like this, right. um, which a friend tells me that if you do that in public toilets in the right place, that that's a sign of like, go on, yeah, I'm up for it. Oh. So I've accidentally been cruising um, for, for years actually but did it ever lead um, anywhere no once i was in a airport in new york and a man um <laughs> rather rotund man was at the uh, urinal and he i like looked up in the mirror and he caught my eye and then he like showed me his penis and he said 10 minutes and i said no 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 thank you and then he waited and he went oh five minutes <laughs> time was the problem um, <laughs> It was, uh, you know, that was, that's my only, anyway, that's really besides the point. Um, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks. Really well. It's I'm, a pleasure um, to have you here. I've, I've, I've got sort of most of the week off this week, which oh, is God. very nice because I've had a very intense few weeks of touring, including last week being at the Soho Theatre and having to go back and forth every day for a very late show. So I was home every night at like one, which is just, it's just very late for a lady of my age and size. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I've got I've got most of the week off, which feels very exciting because, as you know, we've quite recently moved to Brighton, and so we're having like a week in Brighton, but we don't know Brighton that well yet. So it's like a holiday week at home. Yeah, like a, a staycation, do they call it? Oh, well, I think they might call it that sort of thing, yes. Oh, good. Because I, you know, uh, I, I sort of heard rumblings of all people. It was Joe Lysett that told me that you'd moved to Brighton. <laughs> uh, so that's where I get my news. Um, to sort of, you you know, simply we... must. You simply must. The Lysett news. The Lysett echo. <laughs> He's letting um, everyone know what's going on. And then after they had said that, and then I was walking through the lanes, and um, you jumped out of a hot chocolate shop. I went, oh, that's Joe Black. And he went and gave you a hug. <laughs> You did, but it took me a few seconds because I don't think, really, you expect Susie Ruffle to jump out of a hot chocolate shop at you. But no, and I think happened. I was probably—I think I'd had a drink, I'd had a glass <laughs> of wine, and so I think I was quite giddy. You know how one large glass just makes you the right—the right amount of giddy. But that was uh, me yesterday. 
Yeah, I saw you just as that just as that large glass of wine hit, and I was like, "It's Joe Black, who I know." I must go and say hello. I'll go and give him a massive cuddle. And we did. So you got you me just just lightly buzzed. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's it's an all right place to uh, existence, uh, plane of existence to live on there a little bit. Yesterday I had one, but I just done. I was the official starter for the Brighton Marathon. Were and, you? Um, yes. People thought I was joking when I said I was doing it, and they'd be like, Haha. "So no, really?" I was like, "No, no, no, no." I was genuinely waving the flag and honking the horn at the start line. Oh um, my but I was, goodness! I was up from half five because all these running things are quite early, so I had to get up early to get myself sorted. You know, what did you wear? What did you wear? I wore a checked suit. It was the closest yes. thing I had to like a traditional flag. Oh, very good. Like you're like you're the girl in Greece that's about to put yeah. her flag uh, just, her um, yeah. scarf down. I did look a little like an oil baron drawn by Tim Burton, though, to be honest with you. Love that it, for you. Yeah, there was a big there was a really oversized hat. I've grown a pencil mustache. Um, yes. I just yeah, you have, I know. I can see your pencil mustache. Just, a, just a when I first got on the call, I, I didn't know whether you'd had your lips done. Oh, just hold oh, no. <laughs> like on. Just, very just dark one side line across the top. Um, yeah, just like oh, I'm actually. Do you know what? If I squint, well, that's horrible. I like that. Well, you were polite. You were polite enough to not go. Oh my god, you look absolutely dreadful. Well, I if... thought well, maybe he only could afford to do the top lip, and the other lip was coming later in the year. Times are hard. My season of drag race I mean? was a while ago. <laughs> So, oh, look at this. We haven't even asked you any fucking questions yet. You drink a cup of tea. I, I didn't have time to make one. I was I was two minutes late onto the call and I hate being late. So I just grabbed a water. I couldn't find my headphones. It's been a whole thing. Do you know, being late makes me feel physically, visi- uh, not visibly, physically sick. It's strange. As soon as I get, I start getting all like, oh no, oh. I don't, I mean, this might be offensive, but I sort of took you as a late person. And I, I don't. No, I'm quite an early bird. Oh, I don't know where I got this from, that, that kind of chaotic... I am, I am quite chaotic, that's fair to say. For, for a long time, I pretended I was really organised. But rec- in recent years, I've just sort of held on to the fact that, like, I never know. Here's a great example. Here's a great example of exactly who I am in the world. My wife, Alice bought herself a new phone charger because her one was broken. You know, the, you know, with, you know when they... All the wires had started like peeping out the sides. Mm-hmm. Right. Alice brought two because she knew this was handy to have a spare. Within four days, I lost mine. I lost her new spare one. And now for the last six weeks, I've been using her broken one. <laughs> That's me. That's me all over. Just just chaotic. <laughs> Yeah, you you very similar. And I think it's because that's my my friend Alfie has this energy, um, except from the charges that he would have got to replace his would have been the Poundland ones, and then they would have like burst into flames. And he'll be sure. like, I don't understand why it's not charging and it's on fire. And it's like, yeah. it's because you got them from Poundland. He'll be like, Do you know, once we uh, got woken up by a, it was set, like there was like a bang. And I was like, was it a Poundland charger again? And it's like, it almost gets defensive and goes, no, of course it was. Yeah, it was. No, it was. Absolutely was a Poundland charger. Um, yeah. He stopped it's, doing that, though. I'm always losing shit, losing keys, losing my head, losing my sort of, my, my touch of reality. <laughs> uh, it, things are often... Losing the land deeds to this plane of existence. Yeah, all those sorts of things. <laughs> losing my mind. You know, the norms. Yeah, exactly right. 
I'm gonna. We're having a lovely chat, but I want to grill you. Sorry. Yes, please do grill. No, grill. don't don't apologise. This is lovely. Um, I, you know, Joe Lice has already been mentioned, but uh, bring them up again because I asked them the same thing. For me, because I'm not in the comedy world. Sure. Um, I don't really see people kind of coming up. I just mm. suddenly they're there. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, comedians on TV and uh, doing lovely live touring shows hatch from eggs as far yes. as I'm concerned. Because they just sort of uh, appear and I go, well, that's Susie Ruffle. They've, they've always been on the bloody television. <laughs> that's, where, that's where she lives. Um, so I actually don't, I don't know your journey and your story because mm -hmm. we originally met when you were doing a series called The Comedy Bus. Yes, that's the one. Yes. In Pompey, um, in our hometown. Exactly, but we'll get more to that later. Oh, but yes, the, sorry, the, sorry. The concept of that was that people went to their hometowns and did something in the hometowns, right? That was the, Precisely, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we met with uh, my friend Darren, a.k.a. Cherry Liqueur, mm -hmm. um, was hosting at the Hampshire Boulevard in Portsmouth for this, and they said they needed people to come and do makeup for you all. Yes. Um so it was you. Uh, I did Kerry Pritchard McLean's makeup. Cherry did yours, right? Yes, I think so. Yes, and Tom Mallon was there. Um, yes. Oh, and then there were two. Joel uh, Domit. Yes. Darren Harriet and Ian Sterling, the voice of Love Island. Oh, lovely! Right, so you were all there. We were all uh, there. You had, your make you had your makeup done by Cherry Liqueur, which for yes. uh, that I can only apologise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kerry had me, so you know she she, she did looked right. fab. Yeah, well, she has the black and white hair, or had the black and white hair at yeah. the time. So I made her into Cruella, and it was ever so gorgeous. Um, but we met there, um, and then, you know, followed on the socials. And of then we course. sort of bump into each other at events or outside chocolate shops. When I've um, had a full glass, a full large <laughs> glass of wine. Full bottle of wine. Uh, you had a glass, it was a glass. My child was with me, it was one <laughs> glass. But my mum was also there, and mum didn't have a drink, just in case anyone's worried. <laughs> <laughs> there is always someone supervising. Um, so to get to this comedy bus, uh, what, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know where that sits in your journey. What's, tell me, tell me your life. I, I, you know, I don't know life. how to phrase that. So, no, I'm very happy to. So similar to you, I grew up in Pomps. Um, Pompey! Um, and <laughs> I left at 18 because I thought, well, the city couldn't possibly handle this. Um, and went to drama school and then I graduated from drama school into the recession sans work no work no work at all um and worked in a pub and that pub had a company tonight and a couple of years later i finally got up the courage and so i started stand up when i was about 24 so that's about 12 years ago and i've only really been doing telly for about the last four years so there was about eight years of me being on the circuit being good and then crap and then good and then crap and working out how to do it and then working how to do a five spot and a ten spot. Um, so when we met during the comedy bus, that was relatively early on into me doing telly. I don't know that I do telly regularly now. I've not got my own show or anything, but I pop up on comedy things. Um, that was probably the beginning of me doing it a bit more regularly. I, I'm just going to interrupt you there, just because I have some notes here and just you saying I'm not on TV that often. <laughs> there is literally a note here that I've written... You're, uh, you're fucking bloody everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we, 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 we'll address that now. You're a liar. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I'm a liar. 
That's true. Uh, Fine. So, we're, so as, uh, as well as being successful and a liar, sorry, <laughs> carry on with the story. Well, and then, and so, so lots of years of going to the Edinburgh Fringe, the first two years, not a lot of fun, didn't have great shows, didn't have a great time, wasn't really good enough yet to be doing an hour, but was having a go. And I'm pleased I did it because I learned quite a lot by having a go. And I think sometimes when you do things almost right, you can learn more than, you know, more than you realise at that time. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Like, just, sorry, just a little side note there, and I can't remember who I said this to. It was probably, again, fucking Joe Lyson. Why does this man haunt me? Um, it, it, I hosted a stand-up comedy night in Windsor monthly because um, they wanted to mix cabaret and stand-up, which I learned was not necessarily a great idea. No, sometimes it doesn't work. You, you can't... Dragon then comedy, It's it doesn't always work. Not, not well, th- I mean... For me, it's like kind of the musical comedy thing because I'm not necessarily tied to having to be funny, mm. right? I could do a show of just songs and that is perfectly yeah. acceptable. But, yeah. Um, at a stand-up comedy night, I'm expected to be funny. Sure. And I was not, <laughs> was not. Like, or things that would get a laugh or you, you can kind of sacrifice moments that don't, you know, it doesn't, I don't have to be knocking them out of the park. Mm. Um, so you're saying that like the learning curve there, that was a learning curve for me because suddenly what was hilarious in cabaret, stand-up comedy audiences were like, nah, I'm having none of this. Um, it, yeah, it was, re- and, but also it works the other way around. I've noticed is that comedians doing cabaret nights because the yeah. energy is so different. They can bomb. Yes. And because you take on, I think that drag, certainly the sort of drag that, uh, I hope this is fair to say, like that you do the sort of slightly more uh, artistic-y, creative type drag that I really love. I think often when I've done shows with people that are sort of uh, that that that, are, that that do that sort of drag, I take on way too much energy, and then I look really desperate because the drag because often the drag queens are so like laid back, like you like me or you don't. And I come on and I'm like, please like me. And the audience is like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. Oh, God, I can't watch <laughs> Who is this. this woman? Yeah, God, she's so cringe. Um, because there's the status that drag queens have that comics don't. It's all a state. I think that so much of performing is a status game. And so often drag is quite high status. Like, I'm better than all you. You know, especially like with the makeup and the looks and, it, and being so much more dressed up than the audience. Whereas comics, we're, I mean, I dress up for stage, but some people look like they're, like they've just got off the bus. Like you're like, babe. Like brush your hair. Right. Well, I mean, this is the the you know because I I I go for sort of like the twenties louche. Uh, it's the look thing. that I wish I had. I think. <laughs> I you want to look like a. Mustache. I I well I I have sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but I um but I yeah I would like to wear all of your clothes. Well, I think we're probably about the same size. Brilliant. See, this is the dream. I think we're about the same height. Maybe this is great. I'm going to come to your house before yeah. Pride. Well, you can try. I've got uh, what people don't know is that uh, we are we have both done our laundry today. But uh, <laughs> mine, mine just uh, I have a, a a novelty clown suit hanging behind me. Susie, can you please confirm there is a black and white? There's novelty a novelty clown suit. Clown suit. <laughs> so what would you do, what would you do with that to make it Joe Black? Well, I mean, so we were just having a bit of a sort out and. Uh, it just popped up. Like, I just found it in a bag. And I was like, oh, I haven't looked at this for years. I thought I'd given it away. Um, I don't really know. It is just, I feel Would like... Would you go for some... a big wig? No, I'm really... Alpha. I don't really like wigs anymore. 
Do you not? Mind. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I don't know. What well, I do. I mean, I've got, I've started wearing these like toupee um, mm. finger wave ones. So like, yes, I've made seen that. Into undercuts, and they just place. I have to just slick my own hair back, um, like really tight under it, and then put them in. I'm I'm liking that. I I I'm sort of sick of uh, sick sick of drag. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, this is the first time I've spoken about. Yeah, really sick of it. And I just sort of want to lean more into the twenties cabaret thing again because i think there's too many fucking drag queens um and Why i do you feel think like that is do you think has there been a massive because obviously you've been doing drag for years i appreciate i'm now interviewing you but I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't teach old dog new tricks that's what i do but have you seen so we'll make it about comedy as well i think since i've been doing stand-up for as i said about 12 13 years and when there was like when all of a sudden there was like loads of comedy on telly, so like Jack Whitehall, Russell Howard, um, all of those shows, like 8 Out of 10 Cats, like when they first started, there was this real, I was already doing stand-up then. Not, I wasn't great, but I was already sort of working my way on the circuit. There was this massive influx of new people that saw comedy as a career, rather than when I started. It was like, oh, I'll do this for a bit while I haven't got any acting work. And then I ended up getting good enough at it for it to be my job. Have you found that with Drag Race? Where, like, those of you that have been in it for years and years and years, is there, like, a new influx now of, like, loads of people that see drag as a job? Yes, absolutely. And and I think what it's done is it's kind of made a bit of a... I don't know if false economy is the right phrase, because I, I don't think I really understand what that means. But and from my understanding, it's that it gives, gives the illusion of it's... Would that be correct to say? For, is that what a false economy is? It's something that gives the illusion of that you can sort of. You're I'm to googling Google it because I feel like we're both we've both got schooling in Portsmouth, so let's just check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can trust those people. Um, a false economy. I'm going to read out what, exactly what it is. Right. It says to you, "Is this podcasting?" Yeah, I think so. I'm never sure that I know what I'm doing. I've spelt both false. And economy incorrectly, just so everyone can know. <laughs> False economy. Yeah, okay. Oh, I've still spelled it wrong. Okay. No, an apparent financial saving that in fact leads to a greater expenditure. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. People are assuming they're getting into it and that there's more of a business than there actually is. And actually, is that what you're saying? That's, that's more appropriate because it's that the, the more outgoings than ingoings. So, basically, what, oh, what, right, because it's so expensive what, to do. Yes. And this is the problem what Drag Race has done is basically said to people, if you can throw enough money at something, you can be successful. I think ah. in, in, in terms so, of a Drag Race audience. And that is where there's another crossover with comedy. And I don't know whether you've noticed it, but certainly, you know, I, I've i mentioned before on stage, I, I don't really think of myself as working class anymore because now I'm, I've got, I'm a homeowner which is very exciting and lovely, but for, I'm, I'm definitely from working class stock. Like my nan worked in a factory, my granddad was a labourer, you know, and, and 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 so I didn't come from a family that could be like, don't worry, we'll pay for you to live in London for six years whilst you have a go at stand-up. But there were lots of stand-ups that I came up with whose, whose parents did have places in London that they could just live whilst they did it, which meant there's a lot more comics that are middle or upper class than there are comics that are working class have you found that as well 
yes, that's that's that. Yeah, that's a really good comparison because there are people that, you know, the average cost. I mean, fuck, I'm, I'm out of contract now. I've been out of contract for a while. It, the cost of doing it, what people will find surprising. What, how much it costs to actually do drag race? Yes. OK, right. Yeah, go yeah. on, I'm listening. See, I'm listening. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to be surprised by this. Um, some people I'm clutching miss- my pearls just in prep. Yeah. Some people misunderstand. And when you tell them that you have to provide everything you are wearing, people go, what? Like, yes, of course you do. Every little bit, every little side thing, mini challenge, challenge, you have to provide that, that runway. And, you know, it's so funny because people go, well, if I had done that, I would have worn blah, 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 blah. And it's like, ah, but would you? Would you in four, you know, you have four weeks lead up time. Would you have had enough money to make... Uh, 12, it's like 12 full runways, something like 20, like, sort of incidental things and mini challenges, plus all the extras you might need, because some stuff needs to match, but you don't know what anyone else is bringing, because you don't know who else is there, and all of that. So it, it kind of, people, in the American one, it's more ridiculous, is that people have, like, remortgaged their houses, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a gamble, and I think it used to be, um... None of them, none of the fucking producers are listening to this, so they don't give a fuck. Um, you know, I think before it could have made uh, a great return. And I think it was more of a certain thing. But now you've got people that absolutely bankrupt themselves to really? go on this show. Absolutely. And then they maybe only make the money back once they've done like the official tour and then they're just sort of done. Because there's not, it's not the same, because there's so many now, but it's not just so many not on the show, but there's now so many on the show that it's, mm. and I think the UK is too small for the UK one, to be honest, to the point that there could be one in every bloody gay bar in the country every night of the week. Do you know what I mean? It could yeah. just keep going. You can see them all the time. It's not like a, it's not got the kind of grandeur necessarily as it did have. And also, um, the States is just so big. Yeah. But actually, yeah. just to, to, to bring it back to you, which I find really interesting about comedians, is that you'll get, which I, I think of this sort of business model, and I don't know how, you know, I don't really know how to phrase this, but that there will be comedians from the television that appear to be, the, you know, these very recognisable household faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying faces because the names thing is funny because I, I'm assuming that, you get what I've found a lot of comedians tend to get is that people recognise your face, but then they get they struggle to go. They go ah because they've seen you, but they. It, I, I have get... a line in my show where I say I've got the, the the kind of level of fame where people look at me and I can tell they're thinking, "Were you on live at the Apollo? Or did you used to play hockey with my sister?" Yeah, uh, was that in your Amazon special? Yeah. Yes, because yeah. we watched that. I've got a little note that says Amazon special. Um, <laughs> for the Soho Theatre one. It wasn't specifically Amazon, was it? It was Soho Theatre. Well, Soho Theatre do it. Basically, I th- from what I can understand, the Soho Theatre, every few years, Amazon go to them and go, why don't you make 10 or 8 specials of people that have come through the doors in the last three years? And, you know and uh when we'll put it on the platform sort of forever and That's so and, and the soho theater asked me to be one of them <laughs> and it also goes on ba flights so occasionally people will be like i'm on my way to la watching you I'm like, oh, <laughs> if you can well, nip that... into first class can tell any producers to watch it as well that would be ideal cheers <laughs> <laughs> um but what is, it, is that is that you sort of a recognizable person but you are still doing the kind of standard 
circuit gigs. I mean, as a headliner, um, mm. I'm sure. But, uh, you know, that you you can be seen in these small comedy clubs. For as sure. As well as doing your own show in venues that are the same size or maybe bigger, which is, I find really interesting because there's the problem especially with drag race stuff is that there's a kind of weird balance that's not i don't think is being made necessarily by most people uh in in their choices is that they kind of unattainable make it a special occasion or accessible affordable can be seen Mm. at your local gay bar doing a thing do you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Um, not to, to, I mean, I don't, if anyone listening that's done Drag Race, I don't mean that to sound offensive by saying like accessible or like inaccessible, saying that like cheap or expensive, but ones that will be like, I tour once a year and I do these lovely venues and that is it. Yes. And then there are ones that like, you know, work, work, work. Because I'm not, I'm not, you know, not, not making it a derogatory thing because if you're a workhorse, fucking brilliant. Do you know what I mean? What else are you going to do? Sit on your ass? Yeah. So um, I think that, yeah, there, there are, I think that I sort of, I I never make it, I, I try not to make my shows expensive, mainly because, um, but, I, but I think going to see comedy is a lot cheaper than going to see drag, because there's a lot of less overheads, I get it, like I think that drag, drag queens cost a lot more to put their shows on, whereas I'm like, do you have your own microphone and a light? Great, I'll come in a shirt that I have. Yeah, <laughs> in the show. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's, and I have a, an opening act always. But that that's because I, for a long time, with other people's opening acts, and I like taking someone on the road with me because it's a nice gig nine times out of ten, and yeah. it's fun for me to be with a friend. Well, because you you uh, maybe was that part of a big break was going on tour with Alan Carr. Yes, yeah, I would say that was a massive. Um, do you know what? Not even as much as, like, the rooms that we were playing weren't massive because he was doing a warm-up tour, so it was, like, 500 seats, but that was still a lot for me at that time. And um, more than anything touring with Alan, it was about... It, it gave me confidence because in, up until that point, I'd not really worked out who my audience was or who I was really talking to. And then I went on tour with Alan, and I was like, oh, it's the girls and the gays. <laughs> And yep. and the and, and the gals' husbands who are cool, open-minded blokes who have got no issue about going to see a gay comic. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, which is actually a, a huge proportion of society. Um, and I, I went on Alan's tour and he was enormously encouraging. I got really drunk a little while ago and told him all this and then got, got quite tearful. But he was so encouraging to me when I was coming through and he made me feel like I was really good at stand-up. Sort of, I was pretty good then, but I wasn't great. And he made me really believe in myself by just saying lovely things when I came off stage and just the fact that I was with him, it felt really exciting. And when I and when I was growing up, I remember watching Tooth Fairy, his first special. We didn't call it a special then, did we? We called it a DVD. <laughs> and just thinking it was so brilliant. And when I was at drama school, me and my friends used to sometimes watch it before we went out, which feels really weird, but we'd have it on in the background rather than music. And then when I supported him, those housemates came to watch me support him. And we're like, oh my God, we used to watch this before we would go out drinking. And, That's a beautiful, um, beautiful and so, full yeah, circle. That, yeah, and so that was like a break. in as Not in as much as like, it didn't get me a job on telly and it didn't further my 
career in sort of a tangible way to anyone other than me. What it did for me was made me think, oh my God, this comic that I love thinks I'm good. Maybe I'm good. And then it made me better. It made me better at writing and it made me more fearless and it made me excited about the fact that I could do it. That's, oh, that's, oh, that's so gorgeous. Yeah, it's really, and, it was, yeah. And so it's, and it's nice to go, I'm not suggesting that anyone that I take on the tour would feel anything like that, but it is just a nice thing to go on tour with someone and to play to an audience that are all up for it and you know my opening acts go on and do between 15 and 20 minutes and I'll always and I always go on straight afterwards and my audiences are always really nice and so that's what I was saying I think I have ADHD I'm on I'm halfway through getting a diagnosis so this conversation <laughs> is really going to go all over the shop um but the thing about expensive versus non-expensive I think that coming to my tour is probably the same price as going to a comedy night, a mixed bill comedy night. Because I've got this real thing where I don't feel like I can talk about my working class heritage and then outprice people that are people yeah. like the people that I grew up with. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to do the same thing where uh, I'm at the moment... Uh, Again, this is also people listening are going to be like, why are you just coming out with all this? But it's, I've been thinking about it for a while. Like, I'm I'm going to cut start cutting meet and greets from shows because um, I feel that I am uncomfortable with the mm. idea of charging people to say hello when I it's a pleasure for me to meet people that have made the effort to come out and see me. And people who have done it, like, they can attest that they take fucking ages for me to do because I want to give everyone time because I'm like, fuck, mm. you've parted with hard-earned cash for this, like, guaranteed, like, hello moment. And I don't ever, didn't ever want to be one of those people that's like, hello, picture, goodbye. Yeah. Like, I love having moments with people and it's such a pleasure to meet them that um, I just think economy considered, it feels, uh, oh, maybe I'll piss off people with this. Not the customers, because I'm sure they'll agree, but uh, people that are charging for meet and greets, sorry. Um, I think it's maybe a little irresponsible um, in this economy because what you need is everyone, you know, needs the opportunity to go out and see shit and you want people to go out and see shit. And I don't think you can be complaining that audiences aren't going out and seeing shit if you're charging loads and loads of money to do Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, for me, it's it's a privilege to meet people after shows. Yes, exactly. It's it's it's, it's an ego moment, like people <laughs> telling me nice things. Like it's, I love meeting people, and when people say nice things about the show or about my podcasts, it's a real pleasure. It is, and also, it's what I love is is sometimes people just want to share something with you. They want to yeah, tell you that thing, sure. like you like you having a couple of glasses of wine and then crying to Alan about what it meant. That, <laughs> it's, it can be lots of micro moments like that where someone yeah. maybe has shared a moment with a friend with something you've done uh, or it came at a particular time in their lives or last time they saw you, this happened afterwards because they met, you know, someone there. It's all of these little things. And I think... I think it should be full opportunity for everyone to say whatever they want, as long as yeah. they're not being a twat. But, 100%. Um, but uh, not, I mean, meet and greets have a place. It's just that it's it's not for me purely because uh, I, I I just want to meet the people. And I've started, at the end of shows, I started going out to the merch booth anyway and just meeting people, which then yeah. feels like it's undermining people 
that bought the meet and greets. So yes. then I ended up spending even more time with people at the meet and greets, which meant that it ran later. Yeah. Because I just wanted to make sure everyone was happy. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to be a people pleaser. Oh, my um, God. Me too. Aren't there so many people that are just like, like, I wish. No, I don't wish I cared less because I think that that makes me me. But there are some people that just don't like give a shit. Like I'm so like, God, I need to make sure that like this, the tickets are the right price that I'm not outpricing people. And I need to make sure the show's really good so that everyone feels like they've got long enough. Okay, the show needs to be an hour and 20 minutes long and it needs to be, and I want to have support. So it feels like a whole evening and people that have got babysitters, but I don't want it to go too late. And, and other people I chat to that are just like, oh, it just is what it is. And I'm like, oh God, why am I trying? I'm trying so hard to please everyone all of the time. I am you, Susie. I am you. <laughs> Great. This, I mean, this new bride. You're just me stuff. with a clown suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> same height, about the same build. Um, yeah, I mean, this new Brighton one I've started, the Klein's Cabaret. Uh, oh, yeah, like, I must come to that. Yeah, well, I sent you a text about it. I know you sent me a text about it, but I've got a baby and I forgot to come back to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, it's 20 quid. People come in, have a nice night. And I'm trying to, you know, each one trying to find special things that can happen at each thing so that everybody's made the effort on that odd midweek night. And it's yes. all done by about 10 o'clock and everyone can go away and go, oh, that was lovely. For the price of, you know, a round of drinks. Um, everyone yes, goes totally. Away yeah. Something special. That's the, the point. God, oh, I feel like we're, we're communists, Susie. Ah! Uh, <laughs> growing up in Portsmouth, that's, uh, I don't know, is, that would be good working people, I don't know. Is that... Maybe. You you, you you grew up near the docks. I did, yeah. I mean, obviously, I did your Out with Susie Raffle podcast, but so this indeed. is a bit of a repeat of a conversation. But uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to that, go and fucking listen to it. Uh, we'll wait. Um... <laughs> We so we we both grew up in Portsmouth and uh, we both went uh, we went to rival schools. Yes, yeah, you were at St um, Luke's. I was at St Luke's, which is now uh, I think Charter Academy because uh, I guess it was so rough they were like, ah, we got to change this. Um, and you went to St Edmunds. Um, yeah, so what? Went... How old are you, Joe? You're a bit younger I'm than me, aren't you? Thirty-three. Yeah, see, I was so, long gone. So you no, know, you would be fin- you would have been finishing as I, I was, was finishing starting. starting yeah. Yeah, so you went so I'd have been nice taking Catholic off that school. green uniform while you were putting on the blue one. Yeah, exactly. So you went to the nice Catholic school, and I it went wasn't to nice. the. Oh no, but I went to St Luke's, Susie. Compared to St Luke's, is, it was nice. Compared to St Luke's, is, it was like fucking Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, my mom was for the rough bastards. Um, there was an then... energy. I got. I want. I once almost. Did I tell you this story before? I like, got like almost jumped by some girls at St Luke's. Jumper, jumper. Gordonless jumper on Jacob's ladder. I had to run. God, you ran away. My God. Well, I, I, I'm sure I told you this in, when we spoke about it before that um, our schools. I mean, you were gone by this point, but our schools had to change the times. Yeah. Of when it started and when it ended. So we started an hour later in the morning and ended at four. Yeah. So, so the there'd be less fights. Yeah, because someone, a couple of people from our school, put out a cigarette on someone's face. Yeah. Um, from your school and then it, years later it turned out that that was my first boyfriend Matt oh yes I remember this yeah so he was he was I mean I don't remember him being a perpetual victim type but he was a cunt um, <laughs> um, dropped the C-bomb here um, 
But no, he, yeah, he just seemed to have lots of problems with kids from our school. And he would tell me these stories. But yeah, they put out a cigarette on his face. And I think that was the final straw. Just to really, for listeners, to really sum up what my school was like, is that they put out a cigarette on the face of uh, a Catholic schoolboy. Yeah, it was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Mm. I mean, it was. And yet we uh, we both ended up in Brighton. You were a little bit later than me. Yes, relatively recent, actually. Yeah. When did to... you move there? Here. Uh, twenty. You're still saying it like you're not there. Yeah. Twenty twelve, I think. Right. Okay. I, I think so. I keep. I think I've been saying it's been ten years for a few years now. <laughs> I've just been like rounding up, and I do this with my age as well. I am actually currently thirty three, where I'll sometimes jump ahead rather than down. So I'll be like, so right, my birthday's in December. So I'll probably this whole year, I'll be telling people I'm 34, even though I'm 33. Yes. But then as soon as, or right now I'll be going, I'm 35 next year. But my birthday's yes, in December. Yes, right at the end. Yeah. But so I'll be spending this whole year going, oh my God, I'm 35 this year. <laughs> two years. I've got two years until that but I'll, I'll like really really insist that that's um that's that that's where i currently am in life uh which is a stretch it is a little stretch sure <laughs> did you go from portsmouth to london yes oh wow that was yeah so see i also attempted that but yeah it's spe- it, it's quite full-on but i did love it i've got to say i did love it for a for a oh, long I hated time because i went from portsmouth to london and i was in london for six months and then I went back. But to what were you doing? Well, I was doing my Cambrai shows. I just, uh, I moved to London. I thought oh, I'd be great. I'd be able to see all the people that I like. And then I only ever saw them at fucking work anyway. So I was like, right, off I go. Back. To Where Portsmouth. were you working? Oh, just doing the Cambrai shows g- generally. So I did uh, something, was it called the Bathhouse in Liverpool Street, which was like an underground cabaret bar restaurant thing. I did that mm, a couple of times a month. I was at Last Days of Decadence, which is also gone, which was in Shoreditch. That was very hen party-ish. That is the one, the, there's this cabaret fable about, because uh, that was like rough hen parties would go to that, that there was a blessed performer, now retired because they became a teacher. I shan't say any names. <laughs> um, who, as someone climbed on stage um, and they went to grab her, she karate chopped him in the forehead and he fell backwards into the <gasps> arms of security. Amazing. Um, that's beautiful, isn't it? Don't, don't, don't touch the burlesque girls. No, she fucking smacked him. Um, did, with, not, I say, I don't know if there'll be similarities in that way, but with stand-up comedy audiences, obviously infamous for hecklers. Yes. Um, but I, I don't, does it ever get physical? Like, what's the, I like it hearing does. heckling stories, because I think it says a lot about how the person deals with it. Yeah, it's, it's something that doesn't happen loads i think it's people people assume it happens loads more than it does i would say maybe it used to and um i have obviously experienced heckles i would say that for 95 percent of them it'd be something to do with my sexuality so it would always be something like dyke just someone shouting dyke you know that sort of thing sometimes it would be a bit it would be cruder it'd be like you know what you need is a good fucking that sort of thing I don't think these are heckles. I think this is genuine harassment. Well, this is the thing. I mean, so this was all happening when I was in my sort of mid to late 20s. And at the time, I found it very easy to sort of laugh off. Retrospectively, I look back and think, God, these were men. And if I look at a 25-year-old girl now, I will see them as quite young. 
And certainly if I watch a 25-year-old female stand-up, I quite often you'll go, oh, wow, like, you're quite a young person in this room. And when I was starting, it was, like, quite often on a lineup of all men in a very male-dominated environment. Oh, I've got questions about this. Uh, we'll, we'll elaborate look, on that in a bit. And I look back very sort of... I, I, I sort of feel sorry for the little me because I go, oh, God, you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. And quite often you would have to, like, leave these shows where someone had said something about fucking you. I remember someone shouting, I could rape you straight. And me having to be Ooh. like, oh, I guess that's what someone shouted to me at work today. And, it, and at the time, like, now, retrospectively, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so sad. Like, I remember going home and, like, having to have, like, a shower after gigs sometimes because it made me feel dirty. Yeah, it's like, fucking horrible. Yeah, really horrible. And so... And so because of that, I created like an arsenal of put downs where people would like, you know, if, you know, someone would, it would shout something out, be like, you know, every time I look at you, it confirms my choices around my sexuality. People say that sexuality isn't a choice, but looking at your ugly face, I can confirm it is. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're the one that's going to get me back on solids. Um, there would be times, I remember a couple of times in clubs, I would ask the audience to put the lights up and go, let's have a look at this guy that's just suggested that I'd like to fuck him. And like just mm -hmm. rinse him. <clears throat> that only happened maybe twice. Oh, that's my mic. I'll do that again. That only happened maybe twice. <laughs> but um, I was just like, fuck you. Fuck you. I cannot. Maybe I'm naive, but I cannot imagine that flying today. I just. No, I don't um, think if so. That, if that would happen now, that person, the audience would boo. That yep. person would be out of there yep, immediately, sure. and for, as they fucking should be. But so that that was one of my questions: is like, how was the? Because I wasn't sure exactly how long you've been doing it, and how the the landscape and the sort of outlook had changed as a, as not only a female comedian but a lesbian mm. uh, comedian. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite interesting. Actually, my friend, fellow queer lady and very funny comedian Jess Foster Q, put up a tweet the other day. I don't remember exactly what it was like. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, not what it was like. I don't remember exactly the specifics of what it was about, but she said something along the lines of, there are women that started sound off at the same time as me that remember a time when you would be the middle act and the closing act would basically be someone like Andrew Tate, who would just, it would just be misogyny. It would just be so much misogyny. And they wouldn't even think that what they were doing was misogynistic. Or like, Compare saying things like, we've got a woman next, hopefully she's not shit. Sorry, we're having to bring on a woman now. Like, that would happen all the time. Um, I think certainly it's got loads better these days for female comics. I think that's a lot to do with there being more female comics on TV. Still not enough. It's still not a female comic that I can think of right now hosting a comedy show. Pasco, Sarah Pascoe hosts the, the, the Sewing Bee, which she's brilliant on, and Catherine Ryan's had a couple of jobs that she's been fantastic on but i can't put my finger on a show that's like a woman at the helm i can count quite a few where there's men um a gay woman i mean sandy toxvig doing qi maybe um she's not a comedian is she sorry is sandy so sandy sandy's a lesbian yeah yeah no, i know she's a lesbian but <laughs> the commit was she is she is she come from a comedy background yes i think more like sketch and stuff but i think there was certainly a time when she did stand up okay because um, i think i just know her as being this very clever lady on television yeah she's a very clever lady on television that's also funny that is true and she's very nice as well um sue perkins like she's on stuff 
Um, but she's not... Uh, yeah. For me, it seems like that the same gay women have been on television since I was a teenager. There's not been a new gay woman to break through. That's interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like... like quite they're often, safe. they're women of a certain age that are quite desexualized. <laughs> mm. And they're all posh and clever. Mm, I think that's fair. Um, or, or sort of, yeah, well brought up. C Cambridge educated. Oxbridge ed educated. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I certainly think that it's improved for women. For gay women, there's a lot of brilliant queer women uh, who are who do stand up. Jen Brister, Zoe Lyons, Jess Foster Q. Uh, but it, it doesn't feel like... I don't think television gets excited in the same way they do for gay men. Well, I mean, there's the thing with, not to make it about men, they've had their time. Um, for for gay men, sometimes it's kind of a bit of a class clown situation. Yes, I yes, I think find. so. Um, which is why I think Tom Allen's quite interesting because Tom Tom's quite, I mean, though Tom is very silly, very, you know, snappily dressed. Yeah, very together, um, very, very acerbic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whereas, you know, compared to, you know, when we were younger it was you know we sort of had julian clary mm -hmm. um which was very much the uh who i oh i love and i think such a trailblazer but um ultimately his tv career came to an end from making one comment um, yeah because he was they were fine having that flamboyant gay man as long as they just but don't, did that yeah don't yeah. make any mistakes don't do anything we want you to be um shocking Yep. to what we to, to the level that we think is acceptable shocking camp and non-threatening yeah exactly so there's a lot of that yeah and i think you're right but i think it's like mad that you look at drag race uk and you're like they've never had a lesbian on the panel hang on my, my brain's like trying to go i mean they've had a lesbian in the competition yeah 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 victoria, victoria yeah um my God. But like, you think that's the biggest queer show on television? I'm surprised you haven't done it, to be honest. I don't think I'm famous enough. Um, I mean, some of the fucking dregs they put there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but like, it's not, you know, I think you can look at lots of queer TV shows and go, they've, they've, just, they've just missed lesbian. They've missed the L. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I hadn't thought about the kind of... Of course, I wouldn't, because I'm not a queer woman. Uh, kind of the, the non-visibility of it. It's that thing where people yeah. go, well, why do we need more of that on TV? It's because they don't see themselves not reflected. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's... I think the broad term queer woman is, is, is often sort of ticked in a way, but I think that actually women that go, well, no, I'm a lesbian. That's what I am. There's less of that, which is a shame. And But I would use the term queer woman about myself some days and lesbian... Other days, although I'm definitely a lesbian, but it's um, it's an odd one where there's a uh, where there's not quite uh, I don't know whether people don't think that our experience is quite as in is important. Well, I think do you know what I'm going to write a stern letter to Please the BBC, do. and I'm going to say you give that Susie Ruffle her own fucking. <laughs> Because, I mean, I mean, oh, there are... having your own show does sound quite stressful. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is a comedy night in Brighton, I think, run by Zoe Lyons called Bent Double. Yeah, I've done it a bunch which, of times. It's lovely. That, well, that, that's a you know they, they they have a very nice bunch of uh, yeah different sorts of people on that, which I think is really gorgeous. But the in talking in, in talking to uh, people with ver- various uh, on on the acronym. Uh, you have a lovely podcast called Out with Susie Ruffle. I do um, indeed, yes. Which I have been a guest on. Victoria Scott's been a guest excellent. on, actually. Um, oh, I loved doing it. It was so lovely because I listened. I, I was just listening to it. And then I just sent you a message and I went, if you ever would like me to do it, I would really like to do it. And you went, yes. Yes, and then please. You weren't, you, you, you weren't recording for a little while and then you sort of reappeared and went, hello, we're doing hello, things now. Hello, Joe. Um, and then how, was, how has that been for you? Because it's... I find people obviously the, the whole point is that they open up. Um, yeah. Is it kind of been uh, a journey for you hearing people's stories, like inspired you? Because you're, I mean, because I find, I think you're very warm, so <laughs> I I feel like people would just tell you things. So I feel um, like maybe you're getting a certain I, kind of truth. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that the end, the reason that I make it is just because there wasn't anything quite like it, and I wanted to create something that people that are still navigating their journey could relate to I feel very sort of at home in my own skin which took quite a long time if I'm honest Mm -hmm. I really wasn't I really wasn't thrilled about being gay for a long time I really did everything I could to not be had boyfriends and tried to be um yeah tried to be straight or wasn't in relationships or would pretend to be lusting after a boy and that's why I wasn't seeing anyone because I was I really didn't want to be gay. I really didn't want to be gay. And I feel like if I had seen more examples of happy gay people where like every time where you were watching something it wasn't like the lesbian died, she ended up leaving her for a man, the gay guy dies of AIDS, then there's some queer bashing. <coughs> I feel like every single time I watched something that was gay it was like this is it's trauma, it's trauma oh. porn. Yeah, it was like, oh my God, this is a hard way to live. Well, this is why there's there's now shows appearing that show sort of uh, joy. 
with, with, totally. with, with these things. Because before it was, I mean, it's that Russell G. Davis effect, isn't it? Of like, yeah. ah, someone dies of AIDS. Um, it's all very sad. Look, they're friends. Oh, that one's gone. Sorry. Um, which not to say it's not brilliant, like emotional, poignant writing, but uh, that you know, some joy would 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 you know be appreciated. Yeah, yeah I think that there is. That there, there is room for queer joy. I think there's room for... Like, I loved It's a Sin. I thought it was great. I would have loved it if there was a gay woman in there. Because we were there. Um, but uh, it was... Um, I, I thought it was a fantastic series. But it was... Um, it, you know, I, 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 there is a lack of... There, there is a lack of queer joy. I think, as you say, it is happening more and more now. Like... I loved that movie Bros, just like that. It was just like a gay rom-com. It's like, great, it doesn't need to be anything more than a great gay rom-com. And there's stuff like Heartstopper and, and, you know, different beautiful things like that. But I just, yeah, I felt like there was room for more just queer joy in, in, in interviewing different types of people that have had different types of experiences. And I try to include everyone under the LGBTQIA plus banner. It's quite hard finding, you know, you want to, it's very difficult when you're interviewing people because you know, it's about sort of the amount of reach that you can get and I don't make any money from out. It's just like a pure passion project. And, um, but, I, but I do love doing it. And if I can create something where someone that's like me or a version of me can, you know, and I, and I don't think it's necessarily a, a young thing. I don't think you need to be young to come out. Some people come out much, much later, but just listen to something when they go, oh, I, I didn't know that it was okay. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Like I say on stage at the minute, like I didn't know that someone like me could have a kid. I didn't know that. Like I love being a mum. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But when I was at St. Edmunds, when I was 15 and I was lusting after one of the girls in my year and totally like obsessed with her and kept trying to talk to her and she had no fucking clue that I was like just looking at her like she was the most beautiful girl in the world. I thought, oh, well, I guess I don't get to be a mum. I guess if I do this, if I'm actually me... I won't get to be successful. I won't get to be a mum. I won't get to be an actress. I won't get to have any of those things. I didn't see anyone like me that was thriving. Mm -hmm. All I, I just assumed that I would have quite a sad life. And so I went off to drama school and pretended to be straight because I thought, well, I can't do both. I can't be a lesbian and an actress. So I thought I'd be an actress. And I, basically my brain went, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. And I think it would have, if I'm really honest, I've not said this before, but if I'm really, really honest, I think it would have been coming out or having a full bone breakdown at 21. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I could, uh, it was it was one or the other. And so I chose to keep my brain intact and came out. And I've now got a really nice life. I mean, mm -hmm. I never go up for, I, I, I don't do a lot of acting and I never get cast in a straight role. Maybe that will change one day where people can sort of see past being quite a loud lesbian. Off stage, um, you know, off stage or in my uh, my on stage stand up persona, but I've got a very happy life and I've got lots of friends and I've got gay friends and straight friends and friends that are somewhere in between gay and straight and I have an amazing wife and I have a nice home and I've got a gorgeous daughter and I have a good relationship with my parents and I just didn't know any of that was possible because there was no one that was telling me that it was and so that's why I make out. That's beautiful I, I thank you so that was like i was just sat here sort of in awe there uh thank you so much for sharing that 
No, it's okay. I'm that was stunning. And and just well, you were saying that, you know, it's not necessarily for young people because some people can have this journey later as well. Yeah, for like sure. You, yeah, you were saying is that, it, you know, some people can live a certain kind of life and then just later on, maybe their, their mind opens a little bit because they maybe hear that podcast, they see that TV show, they meet that person. That's and the they can go, wow. Like, not necessarily to mean that their life unravels in front of them, but something can, you know that extra layer to it, that extra, the broadness to it, it widens. Mm. Um, and I think that's absolutely, that's, oh God, I'm a bit taken back. That was, I was, I was sort of expecting like a, yeah. oh, it was lovely to talk to this person, but uh, this is what I, you know, in regard, you know, you saying that about your podcast, what I love about doing this, again, this is very much a passion project. I've, I've never made a penny from this. Yeah. Um, is that I get to have these conversations where, you know, it, one ep- one episode could be it's just joy, and I'm talking to someone uh, I really love the work of and love them as a person, and it's just lovely, and it's all very like surface level. This is gorgeous. This is funny. Maybe there's some poignant moments, but then we do get these moments where something comes up and and someone opens up, and you just it's yeah, it's really stunning. Oh. God, on this lovely Monday here. I don't know what day this is coming out. Probably on a Thursday. That's what I did last time. Anyway, that's against the point. Uh, this lovely Monday. I didn't expect to feel moved as, as oh, much well, as thanks, I have. Oh, well, thanks, Well, thank you very much. the space much. to talk about it. Oh, my God. I love, I love this. I love you. I love this. <laughs> uh, right. On a, on a, another note here is that, you know, we both grew up as nice sort of working class people from Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, what I often find now is a more, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you were saying earlier about the people recognize you as maybe live at the Apollo. Maybe they played hockey with, uh, you played hockey with their sister. Um, I don't know what your kind of relationship to fame or being recognized is, but um, having grown up in Portsmouth in a nice little working class family, sometimes when I'm in situations that I'm in because of being recognisable or for being, like, famous, um, I feel a little out of my depth. And I have these moments where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> and, and and you're kind of... You, you work with a lot of different people, a lot of recognisable faces and go to events and mm-hmm. meet all kinds of people. What's your kind of relationship with, I guess, fame for you, but also when you're put into these situations? Because I can feel nothing but a fraud, personally. Oh, I, yeah, I feel that a lot as well. I A lot of my friends are very famous. So, like, you mentioned Tom Allen, and then I'm good friends with Romesh Rang and Nathan, and I hang out with a lot of people that are quite famous people. So, by comparison, I'm not famous at all. So, I don't, feel, same. So, so I don't feel particularly famous. When, um, when people do recognise me, it's usually because they like something that I do, and then I feel like it's a real pleasure. Mm-hmm. to say hello but I'm not in a, I'm not I don't get sort of stopped in the streets or anything like that occasionally someone on a tube after looking at me for a moment will go ah yeah it's her like <laughs> you know they'll have to be sat opposite me for like that the, the journey between Green Park and Oxford Circus and then they'll go oh yes that's what I needed I needed two minutes of the Victoria Line screaming for me to work this out <laughs> um but uh I yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't feel, um, I don't feel like I'm massively famous. And I think, I, I don't think I'd like to be massively famous. I think it looks mm. very stressful. Some yeah, of my friends I mean, that 
can't go yeah. to the football and things like that. Not that I go to the football, but you know what I mean. Like, can't go t- t- to a a thing with their kids. I would hate that. When I was a teenager, I thought being famous would be amazing. And now that I know a lot of very famous people, I don't think it looks that fun. I really yeah. like being at a level where I can sell out a tour, I can do bits of telly, I have a lovely time, and I'm not really bothered by anyone. That's the dream. Yeah, I think my, my mine's a bit similar to you. I think I get stopped in the street quite a lot, um, but I think it's the nature of reality TV where mm. I think they're more likely to approach me because reality TV makes people think that you're their friend. Yes. Um, in, in, a, in a way. Um, and I guess I was actually, one of my notes was that, because you're very warm and quite kind of, hey, hello, everybody, that I thought maybe you'd get it more because you're very familiar with people and and you're kind of yeah do you know what that happens a bit in brighton it happens more in brighton than in london because i think it's more sort of quirky people that might be aware of what i do so quite often in often's too strong regularly ish in brighton people will go oh hi and i'll go hi and that's it (laughs) and it's really nice it's not like they're that, that feels very special oh i love your podcast oh you were really funny on that thing. Thanks. Great. Oh, what yeah, and it's just like a, like, a, like a passing one. Yeah, it's really lovely. It. it seems to be a thing with me at the moment in antique shops. It's always antique oh, shops. Oh, no. Is that someone, I'll be like, head like my head in a trunk looking at some old, I don't know, boots of anatomy or something. Um, some sort of, you know, delving into something. And then someone will just walk past and go, love you, Joe. That's it. No, 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 no. Uh, requesting Lovely. just love you joe and, and i go oh thank you um but i also get this thing where if i walk past a famous person and i guess they sometimes look at me and they might have seen drag race and there's that kind of weird nod do you do do you get this where you yeah, like a nod. little kind of mm-hmm, like an acknowledgement of you both seen each other and yes. then you you think you recognize each other so it's just like a I get it, I get it with because Sam Smith likes to come to Brighton, or right. at least used to like coming to Brighton. And since Drag Race, every time I've seen them, it's not happened yeah. for a, a while, but they've usually got a fairly large entourage with them. And every yes. time I walk past them, they just sort of look at me, and I look at them, and we go, mm-hmm. and just ah! not, I've never spoken to them in my life. Um, That's mad. But it's just this not like in, sort of acknowledgement nod. Um, do you? I mean. Like, like I was saying, you didn't quite mention this, but I am curious. Do you feel out of your depth in particularly events where there's lots of very recognisable people? Yes, uh, it depends. Uh, I'm not great at chit-chat. Yeah, same. I'm not great at chit-chat. I'm quite good at having quite deep, intense conversations. Sometimes that's not what people want at. I like, I like that or brief hellos. Yeah, so, that, so I'm not good at chatting to someone. I'm also terrible at selling myself. Like, I hate all of that. Like, you know, some comics are great at being like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, this is me, I'm done that. Whereas I'm more like, I do this. Like, some people love it. I'm sure some people don't, but that's the nature of art, right? Like, oh, and it, is it art? Oh, God, is that really cringe? I've just said comedy's art. Like, I'm not, like, basically, I need my agent there to be like, she's fucking smashing it. And for me to go, oh, thanks, I guess I am. Nice. I am you, Susie. I yeah. do this. They go, what you've been up to? And I'll go, oh, just, just did some stuff. And it would be like, yeah. oh, we just finished the season two oh. tour where we did the Palladium four times. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah, um, yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, I found this 
I got this print framed that I've been meaning to have framed for ages and I'm really <laughs> happy with it. And like that it'd be like, no, they're asking you about work. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I did a thing. My agent would be like, you just hosted Live at the Apollo. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I just hosted Live at the Apollo. Like I'm just, <laughs> I just feel silly. Yeah, so so I, 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 the, so I would never normally ask this of anyone because I don't know if it maybe seems to basically go in. So we're scum, don't you? Yeah. When you're surrounded, but I'm I'm ask I'm asking because we come from the same place and a similar background. That uh, of any guests I can have, I feel like you the one I could comfortably ask because that's how I feel when I'm in these okay. situations. Yes. Um, you know, it's not it's not a comment on you. I'm not going. Oh God, no! I know that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, like I, um, I'm gonna have to bleep this name out. Um, Please because do. Hopefully, um, something comes of it. But uh, gave me her phone number, and That's huge. I feel like, um, firstly, I don't know why she's trusted me with it. But I have this moment. I look at it on my phone, and I almost feel like I've been given some really sensitive information that no one. <laughs> And I keep just going, but who am I? What do I mean? Why am I on this planet? Why do I have this phone number? And I feel like I'm living in some sort of weird um, alternate reality where I was like, I, you know, and I start going, I grew up in Portsmouth. My mum still lives on the same council estate. Why do I have this woman's number? It's um, very exciting. Yeah, and the reason I'm going to bleep it is because I want them to do this podcast and that's what we're talking about. Um, but I'm not going to keep it there because people will want, uh, they won't even guess who it is, but that's why I'm not saying too much. Um, but we bleeped Dawn French's name in the first one because she came up immediately with someone. And I said, oh, I'm going to be talking to beep. Um, and I liked people's guesses. No one, ever <laughs> got, no one got Dawn. So this one, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe they'll be thinking I'm talking. I mean, I said she. I was going to say the very famous Tom Allen. Um <laughs> No, I had to pick one of the duo when I was like, oh. Uh, Again, I've, spoke, I, I've spoken to Joe Lyser. I've got the, the male homosexual contingent uh. is done. Um, no, well, Joe, Joe Lyser is a, a bisexual, as That's, they yes, like to yes, point yes. out in their, in their specials. But you know what I mean. Um, right. I have a few more questions for you. I have I about another five or six minutes because I've got another call at half one. Well. And I need to nip downstairs before I do that. We... We will make this Thank you. Sorry. gorgeous. No, you do not apologize. Thank you very much for your time. I'm keeping all of this in, by the way, so they Good. know that you are both busy and that I am both agreeable. <laughs> um, right. Um, I'm gonna, I was going to ask about your dream goal or thing. Yeah. Um, what, what, what is that? Um, I would love one day to have a chat show. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I love chatting to people and I would love to do... I mean, I feel like Graham Norton's really got that saying up right now, but I would love to do that. That would be a real dream of mine. Is there anyone um, doing but... long form ones anymore with one person? Um, there's sometimes those, yeah. They're, like I've seen Graham Norton do one with like Adele. Yeah, well, that's a very special look. I think I, you know, like you were saying, you like the deep, intense conversation. I, like, I do like the deep, intense conversations. Yeah. So something like that, I would love to do. But I also think. And this is, I mean, this is someone that's having therapy, isn't it? Um, I have got to, I am having a very nice time right now. And I think that I look at my life at the moment and go, if this isn't enough, I don't know that it'll ever be enough. And so whilst, I'm, whilst I do have ambitions and I do have plans and I'd love to write a book 
and there's different things like that that maybe are in the pipeline. Um, I don't mean like, oh, this is a tease. It's maybe, I mean, like I'm talking to people and maybe those things will happen. But I also think that for a very long time, the idea of selling out a tour and having to extend the tour twice and having to put on extra shows in loads of towns all over the country, that was the dream. And so I think that when you're in a career like ours, when you're constantly surrounded by people that are, you know, household names or doing this, that and the other, it's very easy to sort of accidentally lean into their ambitions. And actually for the longest time, my ambition was to be able to tour all over the country and always sell out and have a show I was really proud of. And I've got that right now. And so um, there are other ambitions, but if also if I stay here forever, this is great. Oh, fucking hell, Suze. You are, you are, Oh, this is I I comfortably say this is one of my favourite interviews. Oh, and I'm 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 keeping that in, and one last little bit there is uh, I was gonna say your favourite thing you've done, but I feel like I know the your favourite thing that's ever happened to you. But I feel like you, you have already answered this. Oh, it's my wife and my baby by a mile. Yeah, I know. That's, it's my that's... life. Yeah, it's that. But I mean, but and lots of career stuff has been absolutely lovely. But. Uh... I mentioned this on Parenting Hell, which is a podcast about uh, having kids. I don't know how much the crossover there is, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you as well. There was a moment when we first moved down to Brighton and uh, it was uh, and we were it was me, Alice and the baby. And we were all having an ice cream and we'd finally got into our house. It took us an age to move down and it was quite a journey to parenting for Alice and I. And we were all sat there and we were having an ice cream. And I thought, this is it. This is it. I'm having an ice cream with my two girls. What What more could I want? Oh. And so, yeah. Susie Ruffle, I think we should end it on that note. Do you know what? I'm quite tired this week, so I think you've got like a slightly more emotional version of me than any other podcast gets, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it one bit. I, I adore you. I appreciate you. And it's been... Nothing but a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing. Well, it's this. my pleasure, of course. It's my <laughs> pleasure. Please, All right. right. I'll Every- see you very soon. I hope. Everybody, say goodbye, Susie. Goodbye, Susie. Bye, Joe. Well. That was Susie Ruffle, me talking to the wonderful Susie Ruffle. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um pleasure to have you here uh pleasure to be living in your ears rent free that's always helpful isn't it anyway yes um hope you loved it uh huge thanks to Susie for doing it such a joy and uh well episode three next week in the meantime i've got to go um something's happened on a dance floor (coughs) i believe it uh Well, it's quite serious. Goodbye! Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.